on a day when our churches and chapels are full, when our homes and tables are full of family and food, and when our spirits are full. Aren't you just over winter? And when our liturgies are full of color and great sound, in the midst of all of that, we proclaim a gospel that focuses on emptiness, one that no one expected. The tomb was empty. The cloths that were rolled up and folded and set apart, they were empty. Mary runs away from this emptiness. Peter and the other disciple ran toward it. What's going on with that? Our tradition of faith in the resurrection, which is at the very heart of the Christian message and its whole purpose come from these three people telling others of their experience of seeing nothing. But it was in confronting that emptiness that they came to believe fully in what it meant to know Jesus and in what it meant to live in a whole new way. Mary's recognition, according to the Gospel story, happened quickly. For Peter and the others, it was later. Because the move from emptiness to fullness can take some time. But wasn't that what Jesus taught us? Wasn't that the way that he taught doesn't this get at the core of what Jesus did? In the way that Jesus turned things upside down. He never was content with the current ideology. He never was content with the human situation as it was presented to him. When he saw emptiness, didn't he bring fullness of hope and promise and life again? Didn't he restore lives to those who felt empty of love, of recognition, of belonging, of peace, of health, of self-worth? When he saw the thirst of the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well and promised a new spring of life to well up inside of her, wasn't that fullness and emptiness? And she begged as we beg for that same fullness. He saw the inconsolable grief of Mary and Martha and restored Lazarus to them and life to Lazarus. He saw the darkness of the blind man and gave him the fullness of sight and colors that he had never known. He saw the utter rejection of the leper and gave him a reason to hope and the freedom to belong to a community that had shunned him, had emptied themselves of him. And now he fulfilled them by belonging. He saw the sin of the paralytic 
and gave him the power to leap for joy with a redemptive forgiveness. He saw the hatred of his torturers and forgave them, restoring to them the dignity that they should have had. When he came upon emptiness, he emptied himself. He gave the fullness of health and love and life. It is for this reason I have come, he said, so that the glory of God might be revealed. That's who we are called this day, to see what emptiness really means. Maybe, maybe we ought to run away because it means a great deal, a great deal to our life that begins once again today. We are called to be free of the hardness of life when it holds us down, to be free of the desire for revenge when it grips our heart and keeps out love, to be free of the belief that we are gods, even busy gods, be free of the despairing thought that we cannot be good or do good. We are free this day to be the new leaven, to be the new yeast that will bring about a new breadness, as Paul said to the Corinthians. We are free, perhaps, like the catechumens who were baptized last night in parish communities all over this land. Those catechumens whose face reflects the paschal life and who speaks to us of a new leaven, one that we need ourselves in the church. Or we recall all of those young people from across our country who rose up in protest a few weeks ago in protest of gun laws or the lack of them as a sign that they would be a new leaven in place of those who could not or would not and that they would bring the paschal life to a new sense of peace in this land. Or the paschal life of those who started, who joined, and who support the Me Too movement in this country. Those who brought, as Paul said in his reading to the Corinthians, a new sense of respect and a new sense of hope for those caught in a web of abuse. They, like us, have been called to be this new leaven, to set aside alienation and bitterness, anxieties and frustration, but to be true to our baptism that calls us to be one and as one before God and each other. That's, I think, what it means to be resurrected, to celebrate Easter, 
That's why we can sing and dance and dress in great colors and offer peace and embrace each other and really, really mean it when we say, have a happy Easter. Even the custom of coloring Easter eggs, which I understood went on in some secret room in this building <laughs> earlier this week, is about new life. Even Hallmark never introduced that. A year ago or so at, at St. Walter's, talking to some little kids after Mass on Easter Sunday, and, and this one little guy asked me if, if I like Easter eggs. And I said, you know, I really didn't like eating Easter eggs that much. And he said, well, if you take the shell off, they taste a lot better. <laughs> I have a whole new sense of Easter joy. My good friends, there is a new beginning in the earth today. There is a new leaven in our hearts and in our spirits. And it's all because there was an empty tomb. If Jesus was still there, we would be the most pitiable of people. And like Mary, we would be left to weep because there would only be death to run from and no life to run toward. But emptiness is not nothingness. Emptiness is a sign of something that has been and is now elsewhere. The emptiness of Easter is a sign of life, but life everywhere else but where we thought it would be. He is not here. He is among the living, and that would be us. Today and every day because of today, you and I have the right and the privilege to say, as we look at this table, as we listen to this book, as we touch the fullness of the waters of the font, and as we gaze on the flame of this magnificent pillar of wax, and especially as we look at each other to say, I have seen the Lord. Tell everybody.